Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 58 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR Podcast Network. Remember to go to thednvr.com and check out all the best content for all your mile-high you know, banter and fights that you're out there with people and arguments today about the Buffs, the Broncos, the Rams, the Air Force Falcons, 10-win Air Force Falcons, by the way, and everything that's going on in the Mile High City uh, on the front range here. And the coverage at thednvr.com is incredible, so hats off to Brandon Spano and the whole team over there. Uh, my girl Allie will be down here in the lab tomorrow uh, to record the top six from Broncos Chargers. So keep your uh, keep your eyes open for that. That was a pretty fun game for about a quarter. Um, so we'll be doing the top six, and then obviously we will talk about the Houston Texans as we move in to episode 59 down the road. Uh, but I'm honored uh, to have one of my friends and, and an ex-Buff, uh, an ex-Bronco, an ex-Falcon, former first-round draft pick, uh, all over the media, all over the place these days. Uh, Mr. Mike Pritchard is in studio here at 6-0 Strength and Fitness, 6-0 Football Academy in the lab here uh, from McChesney Unchained. Mike, brother, how are you? Welcome to the show. Matt, man, my man, man. Great to be here. Absolutely my pleasure to be here with you. Uh, I always love doing these things with you, man. It's I mean, fun, you man, bring right? It, but you bring it, though. Like, your, your passion... Uh, and then when I get you revved up or you get yourself revved up, I mean, it, it's, it's epic. It's epic. It's, easy. it's epic, though. It's easy so. to do. I give a shit. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you give a shit. <laughs> that's why, that's know, why we get along. That's right. That's right. No, it's my pleasure to be here with you, man. All right, so episode 58 is going to be kick-ass. We're coming off Thanksgiving, and brother, the tryptophan hit me hard. So <laughs> Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. Okay. Okay? Right. I grew up. You, you guys didn't play Nebraska we didn't play Nebraska until Thanksgiving until '96. Right, right, right. You guys played them what? After so, the, so the right Nebraska, before Thanksgiving. Back um, in the day? I think so because the Nebraska OU game was, was the Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving game. Good that game. was old Big Eight. Yeah, uh, and that was the old traditional rivalry back then. Um, so we played them after that matchup. Uh, so yeah, I think we. Or, you know what, I think it was before. I think we would play them before. Like you played like November 12th, uh, something right, like that. Right, I remember like right. those right in the exactly. middle of the month. Yeah. But I remember when I got into high school, I was a freshman in 96 when they went to the Big uh, 12. Mm-hmm. My entire family's from Lincoln and Omaha. So they're oh, all right. dirty communists, Nebraska right. fans. <laughs> and it it like matured into a different 
thing for me personally, and I'm bringing this up because it's Thanksgiving, just got over. Mm -hmm. But Thanksgiving was always Colorado, Nebraska, and we'd drive there or they would drive here. And from like 96 until 2004 when I was a senior, when we beat them in Lincoln in 04 to end their bowl streak, the first losing season in like 43 years, was awesome. Being able to just plant that flag at midfield. Sorry about the ding ding. Um, afterwards, I got a huge picture of my whole family in the, in the tunnel afterwards. And that's what Thanksgiving's all about for me. I, I miss it desperately because mm-hmm. of the, the rivalry's gone. But we did get to beat their ass this that's year. That's right. Good. Here at home, too. So Thanksgiving was awesome for me this nice. year. Just a little throwback on, on why it's so special. Is, is Thanksgiving your favorite holiday? Christmas it is, guy? It's up there. I think Christmas. You're a turkey um, guy? I'm a, I'm a huge turkey guy, yeah, man. Turkey's uh, good. Thanksgiving because you get your family together, you know, and typically, like for me, my, my brother lives in San Antonio, my sister lives up in Seattle. Uh, so through the years, we always met in Vegas in the center. Nice. Um, Christmas, though, uh, something about being a kid again on Christmas. Yeah, Christmas you know? is so awesome. Right, I've right. got young ones. i got yeah. a nine and a six-year-old. I know. And they are so, like Steve the Elf is out. And I don't know if you know who that is. He's this little uh, elf we got to like move around the house That's all elf night. That's Elf on the Shelf. Yeah, right? pretty much. Yeah. And you every morning it's, yeah, that, well, my son did. And every yeah. morning it's like, Daddy, Steve moved! And I'm like, don't touch him. Santa's watching. Right. So it, it's pretty cool. You pretty can't cool. touch Elf on the Shelf. You can't touch him. Right. All the magic All the magic disappears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We only know that because we're dads. <laughs> and that's the best part about it. That's so right. I, I love this time of year. It's all football and family and holidays and, and wrapping up a decade. 2019 is coming to a close. Uh, so I'm damn excited to have you in here this morning as we talk about just about everything on the front range from the Buffs and the Utes to the Denver Broncos yesterday and the future of both these programs moving forward. We'll even talk about CSU and Air Force a little bit as well. All right, so, but first and foremost, I want to uh, pay a little bit of love to all the guys I work with in here. Uh, first of all, the families and, and all the kids, thank you so much for all the work you put in on a daily basis and investing in yourself and buying into what we sell in here because it's helping so many of these kids change their lives, and I'm, I'm so damn proud of this group uh, this year specifically. We, we Max Marsh, the great quarterback from Eagle Crest, just committed to Kansas State over the weekend, so... Congratulations to Coach Marsh, who's his head coach over there at Eagle Crest, and, and the, the the Marsh family for that huge commitment. Max leaves in January to early enroll. Um, as you know, Aiden Akia Kanakea has already committed to Notre Dame. He's finishing out his time. Reese Adbury is committed to Michigan. Cole Taylor's committed to LSU. Carson Lee's committed to the University of Colorado. Brian Carespo is going to Colorado State. Cam Smith is committed to Wyoming. Rocky Aina Aina is going to BYU. And now Max Marsh going to Kansas State. Those are all the seniors that are going to be signing early here on the 15th as we close out recruiting and this contact period. On the 15th, dead period starts for everybody as well. So keep that in mind if you're out there and you have any recruiting questions. On top of all that, Savage Anthony Costanzo, the sophomore defensive back safety, just committed to Colorado last week. We were up there with Coach Tucker and his family. He's only a sophomore. It was pretty cool. I was a sophomore when I committed to CU, so we'll full circle there. And he joins his best friend, Kata Dudley, who's a junior, who's the other safety tandem. I can, I can visualize both of them in the backfield playing next to each other. Best friends. He committed early as a junior. He's going to be a senior, so he's already committed as well as a junior and one of the early offer guys. And then on top of all that, Cade Weatherby, Connor Jones, Cord Kringlin, uh, Braden Miller, and on top of many, many others, have all wrapped up first offers, and they're moving forward in their college career or in their college pursuit as they move into their junior season. Matt, 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 real quick, real quick. 
crazy. How, isn't it? how many names is that that you just? That's like at on? least twenty kids, and that's not even scratching the, the surface. That's right. not scratching the surface, and that's, that's just Colorado. Colorado. That's Colorado. That's what I'm talking about. Isn't that isn't that amazing to think about? We're, we're not talking about. You know, Division Two, oh. JUCO. We're talking about <laughs> Ohio State, Notre Dame, LSU, Colorado, Colorado State, Wyoming, BYU, Kansas State. I mean, yeah, it's incredible, man. It yeah, Trey, really Trey Zoon from Fossil Ridge, his top three just came out. His top yeah. three are A and M, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. That's he sick. was just at Ohio State this weekend, so we'll yeah. see where the big man commits. I know he's done with the recruiting process, so we'll see what happens there. I'm really excited about his future. Right, and it. You know, this place and what 6-0 Football Academy, 6-0 Strength, however you want to deem it, what it has become is simply just Colorado's always had these kids. Mm -hmm. Cole Taylor, before he got in the program, Cole Taylor's from Grand Junction. Right. Okay? I mean, he sacrificed so much when he first got in the program to be here. And Dan Graham came in and helped me work him out and gave me the affirmation he's not a 6-7 tackle. Yeah. Because the thing that I'm trying to guard with Cole specifically is not being over-recruited to the point when you get there, they just move you to tackle because you're athletic. So that was what we were trying to vet. But I guess my point is this. Cole had no offers when he walked in, but he was 6'7", 260, and Mm -hmm. could run like a deer and jump through the roof, and super athletic and loves ball the whole time. Mm -hmm. He got in the program, and the ability to leverage opportunity, which is pretty much all we do in here. You know, that's the way this works. It's like NFL free agency almost. Okay. You know, like... You're, you get done with your rookie deal, and the the Bron- or the Falcons want to sign you, but there's more money on the table over here. So right. if you want me, put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. Now there's no money yet for these kids, but it's about opportunity. So when UCLA called me and Coach Fry goes, "Yo, we're thinking about offering Cole Taylor." Well, my first phone call is to Boulder, and Coach, you can't let a d- division rival offer this big son bitch first. So get on this, right. offer him, and they sprung to action and nice. offered him first. And three weeks later, he had 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And now he's committed to LSU, number two team in the country, and right. some think the best team. And he's going, and I, when he first committed, I was like, Cole, they don't throw the ball down there. And then Joe Burrow went, yeah, but and Joe blew Burrow up. Leaving them. Yeah, well, he, yeah, but the offense is the same. <laughs> sure, so they'll sure. bring in some, yeah. some guy that can gunsling it around. Right. And it looks like he made a good decision. Full circle. All these kids that I just listed off and the 400-plus the that we've helped up to this point and all the guys that are behind them that are working to strive, guys I haven't even mentioned, like Sile and Depot, the Eagle Crest safety that just got his first from, from Colorado State. Yeah. It's not just big guys in here. Right. Avery Shonison, who, Thomas Jefferson, a 4-3 grade point average. Kid doesn't have an offer yet, but I can't tell you how many coaches have called about him. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the way it works is right. growing towards his opportunity. Right. right. All these kids are here. It's just simply the presentation aspect of it. And you know this, Mike. You, you play for Coach Mack. You, Coach Barnett was on that staff. I played for Coach Barnett. They hate being sold. They know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. They have eyes. They're right. coaches. Right. So I don't, I don't sell anyone. I simply say, this is who the kid is. Recruit him or play him. Well, well here's what I'll say about that. Y- yeah, they know what they're looking for, but they can't find everybody. So think about it. Like you got a you got a recruiting coordinator, you you have a personnel guy, and then you have your coaches. A lot of time the coaches in college they're they're trying to hyper focus, hyper focus, pay attention to what they're doing during the season, trying to get their players, the current players, to execute. And then on top of that, I got to recruit. It's, it's too hard. much. It's overwhelming. And then you put that okay. Here's a list of guys, and you give it to your recruiting coordinator. Or you here's a list of guys, or you give it to your personnel guy. Make sure you stay in touch with them, right? 
But you don't know what those group of guys are doing. I think what you're doing with 6-0 um, is necessary because— Especially here. Well, not only here, but all the names you rattled off, just think about the competition, not only in Colorado, but across the country. Well, we got we, we just signed up three JUCO guys that hate yeah. help. Like, the social media has shrunk the world and allowed people totally. to communicate with each other. Right. We just signed up this kid, David Hawkins, who's a linebacker from, you know, he plays at a JUCO in California. He's mm-hmm. looking for opportunity. We got him to the Stanford game. He's visiting. We just signed up Aaron Harvey and a, or Arian Harvey, a six six three hundred pound offensive lineman, right. he's a JUCO player who has two more years to play. And now he's being presented correctly. So, it's you know this. It's, it's diamonds in the rough, man. I mean, There's right. so many kids out here that can play. Right. And you know Colorado, the fans in Colorado. You're for I love you, but. You've got to understand that the reason there's so many kids that are missed in Colorado for years and years and years that mm-hmm. don't end up in Boulder or even at Colorado State, the reason that happens is I truly believe the coaches didn't know mm-hmm. on nine out of ten of them. Absolutely. They that's didn't even know. One thousand percent. And that's exactly what I was just talking about where you get the coaches are focused on recruiting and, and yeah, you see their their impressions on social media, but they, they're engaged in the season. The, the coach they're, Tucker's you know, there to recruit, but he's there to turn the program around. Right. Now that the season's over, okay, now my focus now they is going to go. go work, but yeah. you might be too late. Exactly. So, so uh, yeah. what, what I try and provide, especially for the programs I'm really close with, right. Because I don't, you know, the, like it's not like I have the great best relationship with like the University of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. We can pick up the phone and call him right. and and get on the phone with with Dino and up there and then get a kid there if that's where he wants to go. But I'm talking about the the places Ohio State, the Nebraska, Colorado, UCLA, USC, Oregon, those type of places that are always here and always Kansas State. They know that they can come here. For example, Demetrius Sumler, who's the recruiting coordinator, and he's at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Before he got on the plane this morning, text me, yo, we need tackles. We just lost a kid. Okay, cool. I send him the information on Kai Anderson, 6'8", 300-pound tackle from Lewis Palmer. Bam, bam. Oh, you got any video on him? Yeah, coach, here. Bam. It's I'm telling you. He would have never known about never. that. Never. Right. The social media right. and the and the connections and the, the my responsibility as a coach and as a developer and evaluator to not sit on it and push. Right. Like I always say to people, don't be mad at me when I'm persistent. Understand that I'm being ten more, ten times more persistent with the coaches than I am with you. Yeah. And I'm all over your ass. So well, imagine how how I am with them. Yeah. And here's what I love about six zero, and I love about what you're doing, because what, what parents and I mean even coaches need to realize this to some extent. High school athletes. To college, a lot of those guys are the same. I mean, the I Christian, agree. the Christian McCaffrey are special. Those are specials, but those are a handful of guys, right? Yep. Like, so I, I lump myself into the group of I was so similar to so many athletes that I played with in high school. But what separated me and what got me the opportunity to get to the University of Colorado is is somebody got to me and somebody motivated me uh, and somebody worked me out at three in the morning and and showed me that I could. Do more, or I could become more, or else I would have just been in the in the humongous group of athletes at high school, right? But I wanted, I wanted, it, it, yeah, you get yep. lumped, but you want to distinguish yourself. Six zero gives you that opportunity to distinguish yourself. That's why we call it the bridge, create, baby, to create an opportunity. So, I mean, I, I don't know why anybody wouldn't look at that as a positive. They we should. have a lot of blowback, bro. Like I, I don't, I have to that. go meet with an entire that. coaching staff. I yeah. work with six of their kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
We, one of their kids got offered as a junior guard center. They benched him and moved him to defensive line. Wouldn't play him on offense anymore after he got offered because they didn't have anything to do with the offer. And that I truly believe that. I'm not well, naming names, but right. this is a fact. They, you know, another really good-looking offensive lineman, big kid, really good athlete, just needs to be developed mentally and physically. They don't play him. Well, I can tell you why. I mean, I don't. Do you know why? You want me to tell you why? Tell me, because I. You don't get it. Angry. Okay, this is why they do it because you're circumventing their chance to get to the next level. That's why it was all about the kids, though. Well, and that's my beef. (laughs) High school football. I appreciate them wanting to win games, (laughs) and I'm all about it. Right. But your number one goal, in my personal opinion, is to develop the young man. Absolutely. And then he will literally bend over backwards. Sure. Like my my college coach, Coach Chris Wilson, who's now in with the Arizona Cardinals down there with his son Caleb, actually, I he developed me as a man, mm-hmm. and he reformed me into an uh, an adult and a husband and a father and the guy that graduated college and was a captain and right. an All Big Twelve player and went to the league and without him doing that with me, I, th- there's no way I would have gotten out of college. I God knows what I'd be doing with myself right now. So, I just. There's this game is supposed to be about development as a man and as a player mm-hmm. and honesty. And I feel like there's a lot of that lacking. Well, there's a lot of control and bullshit. There's a lot of self-interest from coaching. Damn straight on and, that, too. You know, you know how it works. I mean, look at the AAU circuit in basketball in high oh school. Oh, my God. Dude. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that's happening in college and in high school football. It's but, not happening yet. But, but, but you know, if you want an opportunity to get to the next level, say you're a high school coach, you want to coach in college, well, how am I going to do that if, if Matt – is circumventing, he's contacting, and I'm not providing the athletes the way that he is. So I imagine they are they are a little they oh, are absolutely. a little butthurt about it. But absolutely. my my response all the time is like this: I'll work with you if you're humble enough to walk in here and ask, because I'm not going to reach out to you. I'm accountable to my clients. But if you don't like me and you want to dog me out and tell me that I don't know what I'm doing, okay, that's yeah. fine. Do your job. Do your job. Right. They shouldn't need to come see me. Well, just so you don't lose sleep at night anymore. That's why they're probably pushing back against you. Oh, I'm so, not losing any sleep. Oh, well, don't, don't lose sleep then. I don't lose sleep on <laughs> Not nothing. after all the names you just rattled <laughs> off. No, sir. No, we'd be rolling. So check out at Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram and SixZeroStrength.com, and it'll give you a rundown of everything we do. And I'm telling you, this place is the bridge. If you're a parent out there listening, if you're a kid out there listening and you're frustrated with how college football recruiting works, get your ass down here and let me help you, and I'll at least tell you the truth. And then you can make a determination on what you want to do moving forward. Speaking of coaches, remember to go to Shop Honda slash vote or shophonda.com slash vote and vote for the Colorado High School Coach of the Year. And remember to check out the top six this week for Broncos Chargers uh, on thednvr.com. Uh, thank you to Shop Honda uh, for all they do supporting Colorado High School football and the coaches. Uh, the great Mike Pritchard here is in studio on episode 58 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR. Uh, Denver Podcast Network, and we move on here as we move into the Colorado Buffaloes as we just got done talking about uh, a little bit of recruiting news here uh, from the dungeon here at 6-0. So remember to go to 10thanduni.com and check out all the buff gear, clean-ass buff swag. we got great hats, great T-shirts. Uh, use the promo code Buff Club, and they'll get you hooked up with a discount. All right, so right off the bat, we'll talk about a little, some other games from college football, and then we'll get into CU Utah and the future of your Buffaloes. Iowa beat Go Big Red, all right? Thank you, Iowa. Three clap. I'm a huge Iowa fan these days. Uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Badgers rolled Minnesota. Get the axe back. They play Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. Ohio State hammered Michigan. Let me ask you this, Pritch. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but... 
why is Harbaugh getting shit on the way he does? They're a top. They're going to win ten games right, again. Right. I mean, they're no program is going to win the national title every year. You can't just want to fight. Do they remember what happened with like Brady Hoke oh, and I how know. bad they were? Yeah. And like the Rich Rodriguez right. disaster, like this guy gives a shit. I have a kid committed there. He's a Michigan man. Too. He's a Michigan man. Yeah. He wants to turn it around. Coach McCartney and all his struggles. I know Michigan and Colorado aren't really the same thing. Michigan had a great history, and mm-hmm. McCartney built the history. But he didn't beat his rival every year for right. years upon years, and nobody just wanted to excommunicate him because of it. Why do you think people are so quick to just? Who else do they want to bring in in, it's in, not in about, Ann Arbor? I yeah, mean, it's not on. about that. It's not about that. It's really, you know, you have boosters and certainly you have Harbaugh there. It's just not going according to what they envisioned. So when they hired... Well, states on some other shit. I know, I know. When I they mean, hired, good Lord. Right. When they hired Harbaugh, they thought, okay, we're going to beat OU at OSU. Uh, we're going to go to the Big Ten Championship. We're going to play for the national title. That's, they haven't beat him yet, right? That's, no, five. they haven't. That's But that was the expectation as soon, yep. as, as, soon as Harbaugh signed. And so now that that hasn't happened, everybody's up in arms and everybody's disappointed. Whereas, you're right, from Brady Hogue to where they are now, man, it's night and day. And, um, you know, I, I think some of it, too, Matt, is boosters hear things and, and, and supporters hear things. And they're like, okay, when is Harbaugh leaving? <sighs> he's not you know? leaving. He tells them he's not leaving, but people don't believe it, especially when you hear Harbaugh's name mentioned. I'm not sure I believe it. Got, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So there's some trepidation, trepidation up there. there. There's some nervousness, but it's it's all about expectations. When you have sky high expectations at the very beginning and you don't live up to those, then everybody everybody is un, uneasy about that. I take ten wins. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right Quick. now. Quick, man, give me uh, consistency with CU competing for the Pac-12 championship. I'll take that before I'm, getting to listen, the playoffs man. Any day. My senior season, not to just talk about back in the good old days, but we won eight games. Mm-hmm. We were eight and five. We won the division. We got hammered in the Big 12 title game and won a bowl game, and I was pissed. Right. So my expectations are really high. Right. They sh- they're they not that way anymore, but Mel Tucker's expectations are. Well, and so here's where it, it's different. So to go way back in the day when I was there, my, my freshman year, uh, we were bowl eligible, and Mac said no. You didn't go? <laughs> he did he thought that we didn't deserve to go to a bowl. Wow. You That's talk about awesome. expectations of oh, but that hell. was the buildup. Like we expect more and we're gonna achieve more. And he knew that. So yeah, we're bowl eligible, but we're not going to a bowl. I don't bowl. know how many people know that, man. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> that's big. I don't know how that would go that's over these That's badass, man. That's, that's pretty badass is. is what it is. That's, that's huge nuts. Right. Oh, you guys think you're good? No. Yeah, no. We're not doing shit. We're going to go dig a hole, <laughs> grab a shovel. <laughs> we're going to go work that much harder uh, next year. Uh, so Ohio State hammer blue again. We'll see what happens with Harbaugh and everybody moving forward. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of Dungeon family in, in uh, at Ohio State, and there's some Dungeon family in Michigan, so that'll be a good game moving forward. Auburn beats Alabama in the Iron Bowl. That was a crazy-ass game. Big yeah. win for Auburn. Good that Alabama's out of the mix this year, unless absolute craziness ensues. LSU hammered A&M after seven overtimes last year. Uh, and if you're looking like the top four is as of right now, there's three teams who I think are locks. I think Clemson's a lock even if they lose. I think Ohio State's a lock even if they lose. And I think that uh, LSU's a lock even if they lose. Yeah. Now, Georgia is depleted from a skill position standpoint, right. especially with the guy fighting this week, too. If Utah beats Oregon, Utah's a 14. I don't think they're going to roll with Oklahoma. But how about Baylor? 
if Baylor beats Oklahoma and they revenge their only loss, mm-hmm. you're going to tell me that a 13 and 1 Big 12 champion is is isn't getting in? Um and might as well play in the Mountain West. I, where is Baylor ranked right now? 11. Uh, I think. 11. See, you're going to have to sell people on jumping Baylor from 11 to top 4 over Utah who wins the Pac-12 championship as well. I mean, I don't know how you do that. Now you can go to strength of schedule and all that kind of thing. Um, I, you know, Baylor, I haven't looked at their non-conference schedule, but I, you know, that would never happen to Oklahoma though. It wouldn't. It wouldn't happen to Oklahoma because of history, because of. Isn't uh, it supposed cloud. not to be history based though? That's what upsets me. God, though, I Matt. hate this process. That's what frustrates me. You hate it me. then too. I, I do because I, I fucking hate it, Mike. You're, you're it drives using, me nuts. You're using history and you're using. Um, um, what you perceive to be about a program in order to try to determine a national title. Whereas if they if they really are about what happens on the field, then that's what you pay attention what to. What happened to like earning your right to play for something? Uh a tradition, money. Um, you know, ESPN owns the thing. So they want the best teams and the most notable teams in that thing as possible. Man, so, that's frustrating. It, it, well it's frustrating. But if you well, one one thing expand to fix it, it. Well you can expand it, but then also if you are going off the strength of schedule element, if you are implementing that, then force these teams to schedule like CU schedules or schedule tougher non-conference games. Yeah, Alabama's schedule is dog shit. Oh, man, it is, it is every year. eight conference games and yeah. two FCS teams. Sure. Like, I just I feel like the the Division One big boys, everybody should play their non-Power 5 counterpart, counterpart in, C, in, in the right. state. So you should play Air Force in Wyoming and Colorado State on rotation. Mm-hmm. But then after that, like CSU one year, Air Force next year, Wyoming the next year, we're always in full swing. Right. And I'm sorry, that's just the way football is. Absolutely. That's the way it is. We're the big boys. You're not. you got to come to us. Now, that said, after that, the next two conference non-conference games should be at A&M and TCU mm-hmm. and Minnesota and Nebraska Absolutely. and all that. I hate playing the FCS schools. I don't get it. Well, like, why do you, people shouldn't even show up for it? It's well, crap. there's reasons why they do. I mean, certainly, you know, there's no preseason and all that. I mean, they'll give you excuses time and time again. But, you know, you look at the Big 12, they, they didn't have a Big 12 championship game. They never really had that until recently. They, they pride themselves on playing everybody in the Big 12. That's why we can crown a champion. So the, the, only, the only school that has the clout, in that conference is OU. Oklahoma, yep. Uh, Texas, Texas, they were trying to, yeah, they were trying to build it, but they don't have the cloud as OU. So I, I can't see Baylor. I can't see the committee saying, yeah, Baylor is back. Even after they got decimated after the scandal, they're going to say, oh, Baylor is back and we're going to leapfrog them over everybody else. I just wish they could else. earn it. That's well, all. right, right. Like, they, they should. You've got, you've got five major conferences. We should at least have a 16 playoff. Yeah. Like the five yeah. conference winners, regardless of record. Right. And then one at large, or go to ten, and one and two have a bye and play play three through eight. But yeah, I think and, eight teams is enough. Just I don't yeah, I mean, get eight it, teams man. Is There's got to be a better way to do this. There is shit. a better way. They just because don't want to sometimes just... I feel like the the best team in the country is not even getting an opportunity to play for the national title. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> so college football for all of its all of its gander and spectacle and everything they do. I do well, love it, though. I love college oh, man. football Rivalry so much. It's incredible. incredible. I love it so much. Yeah. It's an incredible game, and it's in incredible venues, and I, everything great about it. There's a couple of really bad things that need to be right, fixed, right, and right. this is up there. <laughs> All right, so moving forward here as we talk about your Colorado Buffaloes, remember to go to 10thandunity.com, use the promo code BUFFCLUB. 
So Mike and I are going to move into the bus. The bus go to Utah, all right? And, man, the bus go to Utah, and they don't play well, okay? Right. They started well. Yeah. It was 45-15 final. Um, I'd like to think that they are going to grow from this and get better, mm. but at the same time, it was disgusting. I didn't like the way that they finished. Um, let's talk about just... Not necessarily lingering on the Utah loss, but there's three games that should have been W's. Arizona, Air Force, and USC, right. you've got to close the door and win those games. You kick a PAT against Air Force and you win. Right. Arizona's a dog shit football team. Like that, that I feel like it seems to be a good thing. We ran out of bodies on defense in yeah, that game. Well, that game yeah. we were just out of people yeah. and it was it was after two really hard fought football games right. and a win in Arizona at Arizona State, right? right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So yep. And then the program S- in transition too, because yeah. you have some guys banged up and guys yeah, uneasy it. with the process still, they want to leave. Man, you got that's a but, game uh, sure, you got to win. Absolutely, I get and then it. the SC game was a heartbreaker. Yeah, that was like heartbreak. that one makes me yeah. lose a little bit of sleep. Right. All that said, just give me your, you know, two cents on the future of the program and what you think is going going on from a productive standpoint and a negative, and if anything you think needs to be changed moving forward. Well, the future is bright. Um, because people in charge are not going to settle for anything less. So, I mean, I love Rick George. I've known Rick George since I was 17 years old. Um, LC, I, I, you know, had a chance to kind of play with Lance LC. Carl's my guy. Lance Carl's awesome. Uh, and then Tuck, Mel Tucker, head coach, I, I, he wants a pro- he wants to be with a program that, that wants to be elite, right? He's not, he's not here to settle for, hey, we're winning, we're, we're competing, or we're going to a bowl game. No. He wants this program to be elite. When I mean elite, I'm talking about top five, top ten, uh, chasing And that's the way titles. he talks all exactly, the time. Exactly, all the time. And that's the way he's recruiting. But that's the way Rick George thinks. So when you think that way uh, and you have support the way that CU has now, uh, I'm proud of the boosters. I'm proud of the donors. I'm proud of everybody who supports the program. Because everybody's back. Everybody wants that. Everybody's hungry again for that feeling. People want to go. They, they absolutely want to go. So now that the support is there as well, it's bound to happen. That's why I'm so high on the future of CU because everybody wants the same thing. Everybody's on the same page and they know how to get there. Uh, and so I'm confident that we're on the right direction. I'm confident that recruiting is going to go well. I'm confident that the coaches are going to roll up their sleeves and coach these kids and develop them and improve their game. And I'm confident that the product on Saturdays is going to be at a, an elite level. I'm, a pro, I'm, I'm so confident about that, so I'm so excited about the, the The aggression in recruiting that I've seen from Coach Tucker and his staff yeah. is incredible right. to me because for so long, being in the job I'm in, I heard things like this. Well, who else has offered him? Mm-hmm. And I never heard Gary Barnett ever say that, ever in his right. life. Like. Right. If they think they like a kid and they think they're going to be able to get something out of him mm-hmm. and develop him, they're offering him regardless. Sure, sure. So I think that Coach Tucker and his staff are in the right mindset there. They want to try and keep good Colorado kids home, but they're not going to keep everyone. I think that the ability for Coach Tucker to go into the South, mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen some of these kids, they, they pull up on recruiting trips. I'm looking at them like, holy shit, these right. kids look like guys that I played with. Right. Right. Had the ability to go into the South and pull kids from Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi and Florida and Alabama and Georgia, we haven't had that in a long time. 
And, and I mean, Cordell's from Louisiana. Exactly. For well, I mean, well, they, there's some dudes. Well, I mean, Ben Joseph, yeah. I mean, going back, back in the day, uh, Chris Hudson's from the South. I mean, uh, some of our best players, when you think about it, have roots in the South and roots in the D- Detroit. Uh, back east, even um, just football's different down there. They're sure. bred different oh, yeah, down there. Different. They think different when they're kids. Right, right. And I, I, my only fear with Mel is that, you know, an SEC team steals them in a year or two. Ah, uh, no. You know what? I, Rick George will have something to say Not about gonna that. Let that happen. Um, Thank you, but, Rick. But I think, I think, too, <laughs> Mel Tucker uh, is, is he wants to succeed. Yeah, he does. You can feel it from him. It, this isn't a stepping stone. Well, I don't. I, I truly believe that too. Yeah, he was at Alabama. He could. I don't think he'll jump ship right, if, he, right. if we get to the point where we are beating people consistently. Sure. And I'll tell you this too, Pritch, and I know you believe this deep down. Mm-hmm. The rest of the South Division. Is shitting their pants with, right. when CU gets to the point where they're they consistently killing. They people. will be. I mean, you go back and, and there's some parallels. Even when Coach Mack had started to have the success, people were trying to draw him away. And we, as a player here, I was I was worried that he was going to leave, but but he stuck it through because he knew what he had. And and I think once Mel Tucker sticks it through and and, and finally establishes what he, he's not going to want to leave that. Why would you want to I mean, to he's already that? established it to yeah. a point, and they're not even winning yet. Right, but you know how college football works. Yep. Texas tried to lure Nick Saban away from Alabama, but he wasn't going to leave, right? But Texas was going to throw everything at, at, at Nick Saban to try to lure him from Alabama. There's just some places that are It fits, always happens. Right? There's yeah. fits. Right. Chip Kelly at Oregon. That was a great was a fit. fit. I don't know if UCLA and Chip Kelly is. No, it's not. You know? Who's UCL, UC, USC going to go after after they get rid of Clay Helton? It, it's not like he's a bad coach, but it's just not a great fit right. for SC. They need somebody with a little bit more pop and pizzam, probably. Right. I think that Mel Tucker in Colorado, it's, it's oh my God, the glove fits like I've never seen. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of when I, was, when I was getting recruited and when I came to see you. So, Mac wanted to play everybody. And he knew that, okay, it doesn't matter if we play the SEC. One of the reasons matter. I fell in love with the school. Right. The, the Pac-10 at the time, the Big Ten. Always playing We're going to play whoever. So you know Anywhere. What that, you know what that means? we got to recruit against all those schools. Yep. So my recruiting trip, and, and think about this for a minute. Think about this for a minute. CU had O.C. Oliver, and they already had J.J. Flanagan as tailbacks in our half. J.J. Flanagan. I still remember that. On one. my recruiting trip. To CU, Eric Bieniemy was on that trip. George Hemingway was on that trip. I was on that trip, and a guy named Rodney Hampton was on that trip. Rodney Hampton, yes, that like Rodney Giants, Hampton. Randy Hampton. Yes. Oh. Well, Giants went something to Georgia. Like a, something like a baller. So what that said to me is on my recruiting trip, and I'm looking around at all these top running backs from across the country, and I'm like, man, you already got OC, you already have JJ. Mac was not playing. He was like, I need to recruit the best players I can find. And that's exactly what Mel Tucker is doing right now. And in, in an I'm aggressive gonna out, way. Right. I'm going to go out and get the best players that I can find. Even though I got great players, I'm going to go out and get the Biscuit's brother. But you know, I'm going to go out and listening, get. Listening, like when Dudley and Costanzo are in there committing, okay? Yeah. And I'm sitting in the room. My guys are committing to see you. I'm super proud. But for Coach Tucker to sit in there and say things like, we are going to take over the Pac-12. I cannot stand how soft the conference is. We are going to go out and take it from people. Not, let's see how we do. Yeah. We are taking it. Sure. We are going out to abuse people. We want. I can't stand giving up 30 points a game. I don't understand it. I don't get it. We want to hold people under 14 points a right. game. I'm sitting there like, 
holy shit, man. You make me want to run through a wall, coach. This is my, this is speaking my language. Matt, not only that, you look at who else is vulnerable too. So uh, CU, the fact that we established Mel Tucker and he's that aggressive, look at the turmoil that USC is going through. Straight turmoil. You, at, you look at the turmoil that UCLA is going through. So we're we're at a prime prime time in order as a program to go into Utah California. and Colorado are just sure. sitting down there like oh we're the new guys and we're we about could to go run strike. this conference. Yeah, we could go strike in Southern California. We could go strike in in, in Nevada. We can go strike uh, in places. Even Washington uh, is going through a little bit because they're waiting. They for They had Peterson. a lull this year. They're waiting they're for seven and five team, but they're waiting for Peterson to leave too. You know, you, you think is, he's that kind of? Uh, you think he'll leave? I think. If he ever wants to coach in the National Football League, this is the time because of the way that the National Football League is changing. I mean, it's kind of changing to to what Peterson is all about. If he ever wants to coach on that level, here's his here's here's his moment, and I think he'll get an opportunity. Now, Washington are they are they ready for that? Maybe they might be, but I'm just saying as a whole, the Pac-12 is vulnerable for CU to start getting these recruits uh, and start taking over the conference, just like Mel Tucker was talking about. Man, now I'm even more excited. <laughs> wow. But, so look, it the University of Colorado is a special place to us, obviously. Right. I think that they have the, first of all, those helmets with oh, the old school buffalo on them, so clean. Holy tight. hell. Matt Black with that wow. buffalo on Just killing tight. it. Yeah. Um, the, I feel like the the... The future is very bright and could be next year. Now, I'm going to ask you specific questions, okay? okay? Number one, is LaVisca gone? Yes. Okay. How about Nate Lamon? Because he just averaged 15 tackles a game. I'm talking with Nate later in the week. He's a sophomore, though, right? He's a junior. Is he a junior? I thought yep. he was a sophomore. That's my fault. And he is... Uh, is he gone? He I... is one of the best linebackers I've seen play in a while. Yeah, I don't think but he's gone. I, I don't think he is either. I, I think he'll go gone. back because, yeah. you know, the other night, he had an opportunity to, like, he was playing well. Is he a redshirt junior? He's a redshirt. No, he's a true junior. Is he? I think. Okay. And he, he stepped in the hole against the back of yeah. running back from Utah and got just trucked and yeah. ran him over. Yeah. And I don't feel like Nate wants to leave on that play. I Not necessarily on a bad season. He had a great season. He's got to be an all-pack 12 player, in my opinion. But right. he's a very prideful young man. And I feel like if you bring back a defense next year that you have a little bit of more consistency at safety because, you know, hats off to Lucas Cooper for going out there and trying hard, right. but he shouldn't be playing safety right. for us. So you get some consistency and all these JUCO guys are going after and trying to bring in the secondary, get some length and some experience, some guys back there that Mel wants to recruit and yeah. bring in, right. Look, knowing what he's looking for. Right. You bring Lamb back, you have Mustafa, you bring in this five-star now, recruit Mustafa kid. Now, Mustafa is the one that I thought you were going to ask about. He's not, I was going to. He's okay. not leaving. He's he not missed four good. games this year right. due to injury. Well, I'm just saying, because of injury, you yeah. would think – Lane comes might, back, yeah. and, and he's impressive up front. Right. Jalen Sammy, the yeah. big nose tackle, is a monster. Yeah. I love Jamie Brubaugh, the, the D-line coach. He's my dude, man. Yeah. He's really got his shit together. He's yeah. recruiting his ass off. With all that experience coming back and competition and some depth yeah. on defense finally, in my opinion, every great team I was on up there, we had a great player at each level. Right. We had great sec. We have one or two great secondary players, a great linebacker, and a dominant defensive mm-hmm. lineman. And the good, really good teams I was on, we had NFL players all over the oh, yeah. field. Yeah. The good teams that CU's had in the past, you know, in 2016, that's the way they were right. built. Right. So when you played there, did yeah. anybody leave their junior year? 
Uh, Chris Brown left as a junior. What happened to Chris Brown? Played for five, six years. Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. He was a really vertical runner. And I remember that he had a sternum problem when he was at CU because of it. Do you remember why he left, though? Uh, he's a I, big guy. I think he know. he just he looked at what was yeah. coming back, and okay. the next year we couldn't run the ball with right. Dick, and he would have been a senior. Okay. I think that he had just put the six touchdown game out against Nebraska, yeah. and then the next year he was the Big Twelve Player of the Year, and gotcha. ran for like close so to two thousand yards. Well, yeah. his stock was high. I don't think he could accomplish anything else. Okay. Like, and what round did he go in? You he went remember? second or third. Second or third. Okay. Yeah, okay. and you know, other than that though, everybody stayed the whole time. My thing is, Brayton was a senior. Right. Brandon was a senior. My, my thing is, yeah. it, unless you know you are a lock for the first round. Why would you come out your junior year? And so that's my question with LaVisca. I don't think he's a first-round lock. I think he's a second- or third-round player. Right, but he's why had would you leave? so much injury history. Well, that's why that he's falling, he, though. I know, I know, but... Wouldn't it, you want to come back and prove to him that you can stay healthy? But I think you'd rather prove it while you're getting paid. And even if he's a second-rounder... That's um, fair. Even as a second-rounder... Well, super fair. It's super fair. I mean, for him, because... He's not going to do anything differently in in college. All he did was was get hurt this year. Why, why on does top he of leave the, the field so much on because, third down? Because he knows what's in front of him. I mean, and you, I can't how, fault. How him. do you feel about that? I, how do I feel about it? I understand it because Mike, Mike you went in the first round. You yeah. could have left after the '89 season. Actually, I couldn't have. I mean, I would have been. I would have been. I would no. I would have been a. Did second you leave round. early? No, I would have been a third round probably if I would have left. Early. But I'm saying you could have left. I could have if you wanted to. But but here's here's the difference. So, Alfred could have left, right? Canavis could have left. Um, the difference was is we knew we had a championship right there. We could taste it. Well, the, those guys in the locker room, they can't see what I see and you see. Like they, I think CU has a chance if he were to come back with Lamin and Mustafa and everyone else. But think about to it. To just. Go do something special. But they haven't tasted it, though. That's like, true. It's They've never had success. They, exactly. It's just so, speculation. It's speculation, but what I can, good ta- point. What I can taste is are, are those dollars from the National Football League. So there's a difference right there. Now, if there was a culture, like say they would have built on the Pac-12 championship game. And they would have built on nine it. wins every oh, year. Oh, yeah. And- oh, these guys would be coming back. Because they're that much close. It's like the guys from Utah, the three Miami players. They all came back. They all came yep. back because they're that Zach close Moss to the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. So the, here's the difference. You know, good point. Yeah, Big Al, me, Canavis. I mean, a lot of guys. Yeah, maybe Junior. We could have chased the money. But what we wanted to chase and what we God, wanted more than so that. Loaded, oh, bro. The names you just riled off, I'm like sitting here flashbacks <laughs> to my childhood. Like these guys are just fucking killing people out here. So LaVisca, I think he's, you know, the one to watch is KD Nixon too. That kid can play. He, he, can, can, play. he can smoke. He's and, gone. And to me, I think they're a package. Like if, if LaVisca's going, I'm, I'm going to. I don't, I don't, I don't think don't KD's getting drafted though. That's that's the problem. Like he's gonna yeah. have to come back if he wants to play. He's a little on the short yeah. side to get picked up. He's short. He can unless go. he runs four two. He's short. He can go, but he's not Tariq Hill. He can't go like that. So, no, he can't. Right. You're right. right. You're right. You're right. All right. So we'll see where the where the buffs go moving forward here, and who stays, who goes. Obviously, Pritch and I are gonna, you know, stay involved with what's going on up there. Trust that Mel Tucker has got this place moving in the right direction. His guys are already out recruiting. I'm actually meeting with uh, the coaches later this week. We got University of San Diego headed over here right now. So, 
you know, that's what we do here at Six Zero. Uh, next year, they open at CSU, and I challenge every Buffalo fan in Colorado to go take over the stadium. Hey, they don't want to go to games. No, they don't want to anyway. go. We will go take over the stadium. You see the pictures out yeah, there? They don't want to go to those games. It's like the Stanford game. That's fucking embarrassing, yeah. too. We have Fresno State at home, a team that I absolutely despise on a cellular level, kept us out of the national title game. Son of a bitch! And then at Texas A&M, which I think is going to be an incredible atmosphere and opportunity on the national stage to right. go turn some heads. Uh, SEC team. SEC team. Yeah. I played at A&M twice in my time at, at, at CU and won one when I was a freshman and then lost in triple overtime as a senior. Sons of bitches. To A&M uh, down there, and that place is absolutely fucking ruckus. So we'll see what happens. But go Buffs, and uh, I know the season didn't pan out the way we wanted it to, but there's a lot of good things happening in the future. Remember to go to 10thandunity.com and check out all the swag and use promo code Buff Club. All right, moving forward here. Uh, NFL as a whole, all right? If you're looking at the, the the playoff picture as of right now after Turkey Day and Sunday's wrapped up, San Francisco, New Orleans already wrapped up the South. Dallas is still in the East lead with 6-6 six and six record because Philadelphia keeps shitting on themselves. Green Bay is going to probably win the North unless Minnesota can beat Seattle tonight. And then Seattle and Minnesota, the two teams that are in the wild card slots, they play tonight on Monday Night Football. That's a pretty good game. Rams and the Bears are really the only two other teams with the exception of the Eagles fighting for the East title that could be in contention. On the AFC side, you've got New England, Kansas City, Baltimore, Houston as the four division leaders right now. Tennessee is on Houston's fucking tail bad. Houston got a huge win last night beating New England. New England's showing a lot of vulnerability right now, but mm -hmm. I don't know how vulnerable they're going to be in the playoffs at home. Mm. And then Buffalo is a really good football team, and I'm going to ask you some questions here. Uh, not necessarily pertaining to these teams, but you'll see. And then Pittsburgh and Tennessee are right there. Now, simple question. Do you think that if the Broncos would have drafted Josh Allen or Lamar <laughs> Jackson, that they would have been able to build offense and system around them rather than forcing Lamar or Josh Allen to conform to this horseshit West Coast system that we right, watch? Right, right. Um, no. I don't I think, think the they would have fucked it up. I too. think the Broncos yep. because John Elway doesn't know any other system. So I'm just I'm watching Lamar Jackson play and I'm going, why exactly is he not in Denver doing this? Um well Har Harbaugh is he's a chameleon, bro. That's what makes him so good. Isn't well, that what good coaches do? But Harbaugh, they find the coaches that can do that. Though Harbaugh, he is a chameleon, but he also Ozzy Newsom was also there yeah, too. So. But but think about People don't talk about that enough. So, yeah, but think about... Sandman was incredible. Yeah, think about his brother who coached at San Francisco. And he had Colin Kaepernick. Remember that? Yeah, I guarantee you they had a ton of conversations about how to use that But who was his coordinator? Greg Roman. Holy shit. Who's the coordinator? No kidding. I didn't even... And he put that... And that's why he's here, folks. Give me some, Rich. Hell yeah, baby. So you Connecting know, dots! You know what you're working with. Sorry for yelling. But that's why you're a smart coach. <laughs> Like, I, I got this stallion that Ozzy Newsom just such drafted, a fucking right? monster, isn't he? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have Marty Morningwig run a West Coast offense with him. I'm firing Marty Morningwig. I'm gonna get Roman, who understands that skill set. Lamar, Lamar has. I love watching him play football, bro. Of course, I love it. It's so fun. But your question: Did would John Elway do that? No, John Elway. They would have tried to stick him in this West Coast the, system. Yeah, he would have tried to make. He would. He would have sucked. Exactly. That's why they didn't draft him. Same thing with Josh Allen. Um, they would have tried to make him 
John Elway or, or, or anybody else. But I think jo- Josh Allen is John Elway when he was coming out. He's kind of fits the ball in tight windows, has a hell of an arm, can run, big bodied, strong, huge frame. But think I, about two. I mean, Elway went to Stanford, obviously, smarter than, than Allen, who went to Wyoming. But think about who also was on that staff, though, or on the roster still. I mean, Paxton was still on that roster as a first round. Yeah. Almost bust at that time, and and then they confirmed it later on in the year. So oh, damn straight. I, I, I don't know if the Broncos <laughs> wanted to go down that path of drafting another, I don't know, quote unquote project type of guy in Josh Allen when you already have a project in Paxton Lynch on the roster. I, some of that was in play. Uh, if they would have traded Paxton early on, that would have cleared the path to so, draft Josh. So Allen. you don't think that there's any way that Denver would have looked at this as no. an opportunity? So why are they so resistant to changing style? In order to be successful, because John Elway won three Super Bowls with this. Yeah, but it, it's 2019, not that. 1999. If the Broncos want to do things differently, they're going to have to change the guy that has this vision, because he's going to keep looking for the Gary Kubiaks, the Mike Shanahan's. The, the so, Kyle Chris, Shane. why isn't Elway just the head coach then? Um, because because I don't think Vic has any power whatsoever, and honestly, I don't think he's the right guy for the job. Well, John, John is not a coach. He wants to evaluate certainly. Um, but but John he acts like a coach though. John, he, he makes decisions like he's the damn coach. He he makes decisions like he's president of football operations slash GM. You're right. Which, That's true. Which, in fact, I mean, I guess you know, it makes you in charge of everything. Um, no, he thought when he had. Here's what happened. When Coach Kubiak was here, they wouldn't have had any problems. I think, I think Kubiak and his play calling, that probably leads to two or three more wins for the Broncos this year. That that was the plan. Now, when it when they broke up for whatever reason, now everybody knows this and everybody knows that for whatever reason why those two guys broke up, he sought and looked for a clone, which was Gangarello. Skangarello is not ready for this. He is not ready to be the offensive The last two off, I know they're young quarterbacks, but the last two offensive performances have been atrocious. It, it, even when Flacco was out there, they were bad. They're terrible. It, and I, you take Cortland Sutton off this football oh, team, and they are, yeah, they're the worst offensive football. It's nuts how bad it is. Now, people will say, okay, the talent, lack of talent. They'll say offensive I line. don't think there is a lack of talent, Mike. It's I, all young. I think every. I think there's It's a, all young. I, they're running goddamn tight end reverses and shit. Well, Scangarello's calling that. I mean, but, what the fuck are they doing? But think about the game yesterday for one second. And I, I was going to tweet this out, but I haven't. They I were haven't up 17-3 to three at one point. I was like, run them out of the fucking barn. Sure, sure. There's no identity there, though, right? None. There's no identity to do that. But one of the things I was going to tweet out yesterday, but I'm going to say it on your podcast right now that nobody's ever heard. Not Tell him. Is when Ron Larry got hurt. Did you realize how young that offense was? They put Austin Slotman in. I've I've worked with Austin in here for a year. He's an undrafted rookie from TCU. Everybody that's his first significant snap in the NFL. Everybody on that offense when Larry got hurt. Wilkinson, Austin, Connor, Dalton, Bowles. Quarterback Drew Locke. Baby. Phil's Lindsay. a baby. Freeman's a baby. Um, Freeman, Sutton's a baby. Sutton, Hamilton, Hamilton's a baby. All of Hireman's, them. Hireman's all a of vet, them. but he hasn't played a ton. All Fant's of them. a baby. Hireman is the only player that's in his second contract. Holy shit. That's Mike. how young the Broncos were yesterday. But young doesn't necessarily translate to good. No, but you throw that into a rookie offensive coordinator. What the hell are you doing? Well, then, okay, so look. <laughs> okay, all right. So then let's go full circle here, all right? Bro. 
You're telling me right now that mm-hmm. Vic Fangio is the right guy to develop all this offensive youth. I don't know that. I can't buy it. I don't know. That. I don't. I, think... He's he he feels like he seems like the most unapproachable guy in the world. Sure. It like the, for him the other on in Buffalo when he was looking at his play sheet and one of the assistants walked up just to remind him of something and right. yelled at him. Right. I that's it shows me something that's underneath that people don't see, and I just don't. As an off as a young player in the NFL, when I got moved to offense, mm-hmm. it was all about development. Mm-hmm. And if I wouldn't have had Bill Callahan, the most detailed human being on earth, and a very accepting man, right. for me to walk in and go, "You got a minute, coach," and me to actually be able to tell him what's going on without right. the fear of getting cut, I don't feel like that's what's at Dove Valley. I, I know this for a fact. Sure, the guys are. There's a lot of guys that are looking at a way to make sure they don't lose their job, and then after that, the team will come together. Oh, yeah. And I know that's kind of the basis of the NFL, but not with really good franchises. It's not. People are more concerned about the staying in a winning, you know, a winning way than just being on the damn team. Right. I agree with you. Okay, here's here's where... John Elway needs to realize what was happening with a lot his of comfortable team. dudes to uh, just be three sure. and nine. But but here's what what John Elway needs to realize, and and he probably does, but nobody's talking about it. When he hired Vic Fangio, he he gave Vic Fangio a veteran quarterback. He brought in Juwan James, a player that's been in the league. Um, yeah, we got some young players, but yet we still have some older guys that can get the job done. Uh, and then our defense. You're going to love this defense. You got Vaughn Miller. You got Chris Harris Jr. You got Ron, you know, uh, Derek Wolf. I mean, we, we got some veteran players that you can be excited about. You know what happened along the way? Is a lot of those guys got hurt. They're banged up. Or they didn't live up to what Big Fangio was fantasizing about. Now, you got a 60-year-old head coach, first-time head coach, that has to it's develop a roster so, of kids. So so concerning he did to not, me. But he did not take this job thinking he was going to develop kids. I guarantee you, he's sitting here going, "Every one of these kids, I could be their grandpa. This is not what I signed up well, for." Well, how is he going to relate to them, too? This is my problem. Yeah, but but here, that's the problem with the Broncos right now. They got to fix this in terms of either Vic Fangio. Yeah, it's going to take I, a little bit know, longer. I don't for think you. Vic is going to be the kind of guy to challenge Elway in the meeting room. Well, not that. He I just mean, got his first job after age 60. There's a reason he didn't get a head coaching job up to this point as well. But this is his first and only job, though, as a head coach. Like, it, it, I can see Vic Fangio because he loves being a defensive coordinator so well. I played against him when he was the linebackers coach with the Saints, the okay. Dome Patrol. Right. And uh, Don with Capers. With Swelling right, and all those uh, guys. Jackson. Good God, that I mean, was yeah. a good group. And, and Don Capers was on that staff. He was a secondary coach. The, the inventor of zone blitzing. Oh, right. So Vic Fangio... I could see him going back to being a D coordinator. And somebody would hire him in their heart. Yeah, Denver heart. should hire him. Sure. But I also think that the defense has underachieved terribly. They've been yesterday they blew the lead again. Right. I mean, they've blown now five leads. They could have easily lost that game yesterday. Because Vic's distracted. He's not in the booth where he wants to be. He's on his sideline. So he's, then he's, why are we wasting time here? Well, if he's he, there's no way Vic Fangio is the future of this football team at the head coaching position, bro. And that is what John has to realize. I'm not advocating. I'm not saying he needs to be one and done, but why are we going? Coordinator, like yes, you said, and 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 go hire an offensive mind exactly. that these that the quarterback can go in and actually talk to quarterback to coach. And then who do you bring as head coach? Do you make Monchek the head coach? No, God, um, no. Who do you have I, I think Mike is somebody somebody too. who can manage it. I mean, do you bring back Mike Shanahan? I think Mike Shanahan and Vic could work together, especially if Vic's the D coordinator. 
Mike, Mike will stay. Mike has done that. Mike has stayed out of the way when Gary Robinson was a D coordinator. Mike and Elway going to be able to get along? Well, th- that's I think at this point, with three losing seasons, Elway has no other choice. He only got two more years in his contract. Too, Look, so. man, I if if but you got to develop these young players. They've got they're at Houston, they're at Kansas City. Those are both losses. They're home to Detroit, home to Oakland. Oakland's going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Right. They're not very good, but right. they're going to be playing hard. Hopefully, I mean, I don't know. That team's weird. They got housed yesterday again. Yeah, they're in contention to go win 10, 12 games, and they shit on themselves the last two yeah. weeks. But I'm, I look at the situation Denver's in, and I can't get behind all, especially after you just rattled off all that youth. I cannot get behind an entire off season trying to develop behind a guy that doesn't care about offense mm-hmm. and is content scoring 20 points a game. Right. Look, if we have the best defense in football and we control the, and we're the Baltimore Ravens and we run the shit out of the ball 70% of the time, which I think Denver should really consider. Mm-hmm. Like they might be giving you a blueprint on how to do this. I don't understand in a copycat league with a bunch of coaches who say they're chameleons how we can be this lethargically lazy about the situation we're in because this is the same conversation consistently with the Broncos. Sure. It's their offense has been this atrocious since Peyton Manning left. And mm-hmm. honestly, his last year they were terrible. Right. Well they and, fought it back then. Yeah, but right, yeah. they could. They had right. talent. Right. They, I'm not saying they're not talented. They have a ton of talent they're on young this talent, roster. Though. But at the same time, your leadership that mm-hmm. you brought in this year from a free agency standpoint, I need your real opinion on this because Jawan James, I don't know him personally. I work with Billy Turner, who played with him in Miami, yeah. and they're good friends. And, you know, Billy has his opinions, right. and Jawan's a great player and a great athlete, so on and so forth. Bro, I played, I, I couldn't play anymore, and I had to retire because coach the, the doctors told me, you've played hurt for so long, yeah. and you've taken so many damn shots, and right. so many, like, we're trying to just kind of, you know, spackle this together to get you on the field. You didn't take the time to help yourself and just recover. You played through broken legs and things like that. And that's why you can't play anymore. Mm-hmm. And then when I hear Jawan, I'm trying to give Jawan the benefit of the doubt because I was a guy that dealt with a ton of injury, and I don't think it's right to go after him for being hurt. Right. But then when I hear shit like, I just got paid 50 fucking million dollars and I'm cleared medically and I'm practicing, but I'm not mentally ready to go play, mm-hmm. it makes me want to throw up. It makes me want to fist fight. Like, if I'm on the team, I... I you don't. You're not fucking mentally ready, Juwan. Right. Like, what? Did you, did you get a paper cut counting your money? I just feel like they just threw fifty million dollars away. Now I'm pissed off about this. Well, and they knew it too, though. I mean, there, everyone there was, knew this. Yeah. That was the knock on him. There Does was, he really like football? Right. And he's always hurt. Right. And they still gave him fifty million. So that, that's the. And they didn't pay Billy Turner. I Billy Turner, bro. I work with Billy all the time. Billy was in here two weeks ago. Billy flew into Denver. He calls me right. They had just played the night, or no, they were just about to play the Niners, okay? And they didn't play well, and I'm sure he's pissed off about it. He calls me and goes, Hey, I'm playing the I'm playing Armstead and Bosa this week. I'm flying in Monday night. I'll be there at 6 a.m. on Tuesday on my off day to work on this shit. Right. He flew in Monday night from Green Bay, two connections, mm-hmm. to fly into Denver for fucking two hours just to work on some shit, get back on the plane, and go back to fucking Green Bay. Yeah. That's the kind of guy Billy Turner is. And he's super position versatile. 
and they had him in the fucking building down the street what during the the free agency, and they didn't bring him back. They overpaid Juwan James and let Billy Turner walk out the door. And Billy's going to be a fucking Pro Bowl in Green Bay this year. They love him. Right. Like he's totally he's awesome. solidified the line. He's form. great. And like, <laughs> and, and I remember listening to like Franklin on the fan. Oh, he can't play. And I'm like, you guys are fucking yeah. crazy. This yeah. kid is a stud, and he's really he's blown up. Yeah, I mean, how, it, how does that happen? When you leave a team and you make a better team better, and you're going to be a playoff team, then yeah. Yeah, you're a good player. But, and brother, how does it happen? Why? They, this is my point. evaluate players. No one's challenging John in the room? But is is John, everyone just like, yes, sir, John, is sir? Is John evaluating that? No. So who who do you think was at the, the top of the evaluation for Jawan James? If, if I had to take a guess. Instead of going and, and throwing all that money at Trent Brown, if, if why I, did we go after Jawan James? Right. Um, if why I, are we drafting Garrett Bowles? Yeah, if I had to take a guess... Um, why are we cutting draft picks in Sam Jones? I don't get it. Um, like what What are we doing? Well, if I if I had to take a guess, John and Matt, they they focus mostly on pro personnel. And if you look at the makeup of the Broncos over the last few years, they've been pretty good when Peyton Manning was here in terms of pro personnel. But yeah, you know, that I was agree. easier. Now, they also had when, a ton of really good free agents. Sure, but when you when you are evaluating your own players and then somebody else's player, that's not John. John's John's not. John's not in the room looking at Jawan James' tape. He's going off of somebody else's recommendation. Now, if, if he brought Chris Cooper here because of that, um, I don't know. But but why you're not evaluating and paying the players that have been here, like a Billy Turner or somebody like that. He's in the room. And then you're overpaying other players. I mean, that that just sets you back as a franchise. Yeah, they they got to fix that before even fixing the draft. The Ben Garland problem. <laughs> you know, you move Ben right. Garland, as I know it was years ago, but it's still under John. Yeah. You move Ben Garland from defense to offense. Yeah. He matures into a guy that can be on the roster, and they cut him. Mm -hmm. And now he's like the glue for – he was the glue for Atlanta for six years. Yeah. He's the glue guy in San Francisco now. It's just you don't get rid of glue guys. My, my only thing is is that they might have listened to the offensive line coach last year, and they probably had um, a thought on Billy Turner, and they just didn't bring him back. And so you don't bring back the offensive line coach from last year, and you don't bring back All right, Billy so Turner. speaking about the offensive line coach, look, I look at this coaching staff, and I go, God, man, they've got dudes everywhere. Yeah. Why in the hell can't they develop these kids then? What? Because, look. I'm not saying that I'm the best coach in the world or anything, but I understand what drive catch and independent hands. I know yeah. the angles. I had to teach myself how to play with the tutelage of Bill Callahan and Mike Munchak and guys like that. Yeah. So when you have Chris Cooper, who I played with and know personally, is an unbelievable talent. I guarantee he's a great coach. Right. And Munchak, who's a Hall of Famer and renowned as the best offensive line coach in football, yeah. why do we keep watching what we're watching? What in the hell is going on in that room? Well, Matt, um, from your perspective, from if, you're perspective the, if you're a skill player yeah, on that team, there's no identity to this offense. When identity meaning, there's there's no, when you have an identity, so say you're an aggressive running football team. Like, gonna, like the Ravens. Yeah, you're going to run the football. Buffalo. You're going to run the football against any front. I don't care if Aaron Donald's up front, we're running the football. You know, if you have that mindset, like like right now, San Francisco, they have a number of injuries on their offensive line, but they still run the hell out of the football. They were missing both their tackles for like a month, they and were they were still hammering Kittle, the ball. Right? And they were still hammering the ball because the mindset has been driven home. We're going to be physical. Now, I'm not going to try to call the Broncos' offensive line soft. I don't want to do that. They're not, they're not they're soft. Not, but there's no identity, though. They don't. 
because there's they, no consistency. They either. don't want to get after it. They don't want to get after their ass like I've seen offensive lines like Alex Gibbs. I mean, I don't care who you were playing. Yeah. The Broncos were going to get after you physically. Like Dante Skarniecki in sure. New England. Yeah, they're going to get after they're you. They're getting after you. Isaiah Wynn's been banged up. Okay, so what? We're going to get after you with who we got. Um, and they're not the most talented offensive line, but that attitude or that mindset has not been established here for the last three years. So how do you fix that problem? Because well, that's a huge issue, in my opinion. And look. I think it's been overlooked. I don't know. You fix it by by addressing it. You don't One, you don't have the players maybe – I mean, Juwan James. I, I disagree completely. Look, bless, they don't have the bless, tackles. Bless his heart. Juwan James does not have that mindset. To no way. He not. You just got paid that much right. bread, and you're right. not mentally right. prepared to go play, bro. Right. I mean, you think about Leary. I think he's probably too banged up at this point. I know Ron wants to get after people, and yeah. he's physical, and he's a worker. I've sure. worked with Ron several times, know him. He's a great guy, but his body's failing him. You I have, think he's at the end of the road. You have two guys, Connor McGo- McGovern and, and Ralph Reisner. They want to get after yeah, it. Yeah, they do. I know no. damn well both of them want to get Bowles, after it. Bowles, he might want to get after it, but he might not know how to. I know he doesn't know how to, Mike. <laughs> and, and and I guess my, my issue is... So you have is, two of the five guys that know and want to get after you it, know, but that's the problem to me. And it sucks, too, because all the coaching goes to one guy, guys. Yeah. Mike, everyone out there in Radio Land. It's not like they're trying. They're focusing on trying to develop Dalton Reisner the way they should be. Right. Dalton's kind of on his own. I mean, Bowles asked Dalton what to do ninety percent of the time. That's not good. Dalton's not a good. rookie, yeah. so it's they've got to fix the tackle issue. And I I know that everybody wants a quarterback or the best defensive player in the draft, but I'm telling you, man, if I'm the Broncos, I'm spending probably three draft picks on the offensive line right now. But. More importantly, getting guys that want to get after that want to play, yeah. and that's my con- that's why I'm so confused on why they would get rid of a kid like Sam Jones after drafting him. Mm-hmm. I know Sam; I've known him since he was a whip. And all he is is an ass kicker. That's why he got drafted. So, it, I, it's very concerning to me that they're not allowing guys to be themselves. Right. Like I think that they're trying to force Phil Lindsay into a box or Fort Reisner into a box putting Connor in a box or putting Sutton in a box. Like, I don't feel like there's uh, – Phil doesn't seem like the same exuberant, excited kid that he was last year. Mm-hmm. I don't see the same guy. I feel like there's a bunch of guys in the room who are scared of their grandfather who's the coach. Right. Like, I really do because well, there there's zero well, the relationship mind, between Vic Fangio and his players, well, I guarantee. On offense, because they're so young, one, he can't – Absolutely identify. zero, bro. But, but, I mean, like I said, we said this earlier, when when – um, Ron Leary got hurt. That team might have been the youngest offense in the National Football League. When you when you throw yeah, Drew, one hundred percent. So I don't know how one Vic Fangio relates to that, but then two. It's a good problem to have. You want young sure, good players. You have the right coaches to develop them. Though. And there's the issue. Yeah. And it goes full circle right. back to what we're talking about. Right. So look, the next four weeks, I don't want us to win. I don't. I don't want him to go beat Houston. I want Drew Locke to play well because I don't want them to waste a first-round pick on a quarterback. I don't think the two is the answer, and even if you draft him, he ain't playing. Not with that hip injury. Good God. Talk about a guy that gets hurt a lot. I don't think Justin Herbert's the answer. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. Mm -hmm. I think he's a good player, but I think he's going to come here, and you're going to be talking about, you know, we might as well have drafted fucking Nick Foles. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's the same guy. 
Uh, when Jake Fromm, I, I can't get with him. I mean, he's, his offense at Georgia is atrocious, mm-hmm. and they have all that talent, and he can't figure it out. So he regressed. Yeah. I don't know if there is that, you know, lights out, undeniable superstar quarterback this year. I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but I don't know where he is. I don't know where that guy's somebody at. Somebody materialized, and, and all of a sudden people open up their eyes. Oh, my God, who is this guy? Um. Out of the ones you mentioned, yeah, nobody's kind of knocking your socks off. And right? when you look at veteran <laughs> quarterbacks, I mean, I'm not bringing in Cam Newton or no, Andy Dalton. No. Flacco's got they got to get Joe out the door, right? Because There's, you don't want Locke looking over his shoulder to Joe Flacco all day. Here's what's crazy about next year, and I don't know if John Elway's thinking about this, but you, you here, here's some free agent quarterbacks to think about. If you are, if you are John Elway and you love free agent quarterbacks, oh, right? he loves them. Drew Brees is a free agent quarterback next year. Don't play with my I know. heart. Dude. No, no, Come I'm just on. saying. I'm just saying. You're John Elway. So is Brady. Tom Brady is a free agent quarterback next year. Now, that solves problems, though. But is he all about winning championships, or is he all about developing? Well, look, you put Drew Brees on this roster with Sutton and Hamilton. And, John and wants Fant. to win. John's not into developing. Well, if yeah, but I'm telling you, if he would have three years ago scrapped contracts and rebuilt, they'd be built. But that, that's not John. John John's Oakland, got, Oakland did it. They're six and six. John's got two more years, and John wants to win. He wants to what ride off Vaughan? in the sunset again. So what? Why don't we use our assets to get more picks and and go? Because he may not want to say he's rebuilding, but you just riddled off the youngest offensive but damn me, personnel group me, I've ever heard in my life. It's a bunch throw, of sixteen-year-old kids. But let me throw this out to you, because it, it's not crazy if you think about it. John's got. Uh, almost $100 million next year in salary cap. Say you sign Brady. You know who else you're going to sign? Anybody you want. Gronk. You oh, know who God. else you're going to sign? Another offensive lineman. You don't think, Do you, you think Gronk's done or you think no, he'll come back? Gronk, you think he'll come if, back, if, huh? <laughs> Gronk would have been a Denver Bronco, and I got this on good authority, um, if Belichick would have let him out of his contract. No shit. It, it would have wow. been that close just a few years ago. When wow. He wanted to be out of there because mm-hmm. he was tired of Bill Belichick. He retired instead. He won a championship. Okay, I'm going to retire. If Brady came to Denver. Do you think you'd get him? I think you could get him. Would Gronk. you take Tom? If if John is all about wanting to win, he's got two more years, yeah. Because yeah. that's what John. It'll be Peyton It'll attract Manning. people, too. It'll be Peyton Manning all over again. But. Then you have defensively. You already have some young studs. Well, no, they have the they have the core. Sure. I just can, I can't buy into the system. I think Vic is extremely overrated. But the thing about the system's overrated. The thing about bringing Tom though is Scandarello's gone. Good. Tom would be basically offense coordinator, kind of like what Peyton was, and you have somebody that's familiar with the system. Um, but yeah, I could see. I could see John doing that more so than trying to develop this group of young players. Wow. <laughs> Lots to think about. Lots to think about. That is Mike Pritchard. I am Matt McChesney. That was episode 58 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR.com podcast network. Check out the DNVR.com for all the content. Remember the top six is up this week. My girl Allie comes down tomorrow afternoon to get that up. Thank you to all the sponsors from 10th and Unity to Champagne to uh, everybody that works their ass off for the show down there at DNVR. 
Mike, thank you so much for coming to the studio down here at Six Year Studios at Six Year Strength, Six Year Football Academy. Uh, we got to wrap this up as we've got a bunch of coaches coming in as it's now contact period for recruiting. Got a bunch of coaches coming in to talk about the Dungeon Family. This will be up later today, folks. We appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Episode 58 is a wrap. 59 come next week. Go Broncos as the bus season is over. Uh, but go Broncos and play well at quarterback, I guess, and then take an L so we can get a great draft position, okay? Episode 58 to lock Mike you or Mike. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Good to see you. Amen. All right.